Deep Dive, a podcast of CGT Radio. We go beyond headlines with reporters from around the world. Search for Deep Dive on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Take a deep dive into the news every week. Hear our conversations. Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Roundtable. Coming to you from Beijing. I'm He Yang. Good to have you join us. Life can move fast for some of us. It feels as if we're constantly breaking the speed limit and trying to rush things. But unfortunately, when we feel rushed about life, we may not have enough time to think about why we're moving and doing something so fast in the first place. A recent report found that many Chinese people, Gen Zers in particularly, say they are living life at double speed to maximize time. What's the rush? Does it dictate your life? Brain and emotion, and we share with you what's made us happy this week in Roundtable's Happy Place. For today's program, I'm joined by Li Yi and Niu Honglin in the studio. First on today's show, at double speed, there are people who watch a video, listen to a podcast, hopefully not this one, and. <laughs> As we've covered in a previous show, even listen to music. There are also many young people who are living life in fast-forward motion. They could be constantly racing to complete tasks and getting annoyed by obstacles that stand in the way, and they are not stopping. So, how are young people living life on accelerated speeds? Well, I think life is getting faster, and that's something that we are all facing with. But now we are talking about how young people think about life with a faster speed, and we are talking about a survey targeting university st- students across the nation, which is conducted by China Youth Daily. The survey collected over three thousand valid questionnaires from people of over one hundred seventy universities, and according to that survey. I think about 95% of respondents admit that their life is speeding up, and nearly 13% of respondents are leading a sped-up life almost every day. And only actually less than 5% of people say they never lead a sped-up life. And、uh, specifically, most of them are experiencing like scheduling their time very fully and using one day as two days. For example, they might just、uh, do other things while eating、mm-hmm. or like listening to podcasts and watching videos at two x speed, or like listening to podcasts or acquire information from other approaches while taking transportation tools. I do that. Yeah, I think that just happened to everyone, and now young people they are feeling like they are sort of motivated by a sort of push. You know, they want to get more information, and they want to acquire more things and learn more. So they are saying that they are just speeding up their life, and people are also complaining that there there are just too many things in your life, and like study life and looking for jobs. So they feel like they are being pushed. To do so, I think it's very interesting to look at why people are doing it. Yeah, what you're saying is probably packing the stuff in two days into one. So people have this sometimes fear or just this sense of urgency that you just want to do more. You have to do more, and I think you you have to do more and you have to keep up the race. That is the part that is a little bit unnerving, but also apparently it can have a positive. A short-term effect on people as well. So, Niu Honglin, what's the rush? Why are folks in such a hurry? I think you've mentioned earlier about several reasons that are quite valid here.、Uh, for example, we have a graduate student surnamed Zheng from Xiamen University. She started her intern life in Beijing this March, and though she was only an intern, she had to work in three projects at the same time. I'm not really sure if she voluntarily joined. Joined the three projects, or she was assigned to all three subjects. But anyway, she would have to separate her mind and probably. Energy and time to all these three projects, meaning that she would not have enough. Let's say again, time and energy to fulfill these tasks, and that leads to her have to leave a busy. 
maybe double life, fast speed life. But for others, it's probably because they have this short term goal. For example, we've got another student、um, preparing for her graduate school. Entrance exam, and she would walk to the self-study classroom while eating breakfast. She would listen to English while doing so, and she would go to the toilet with a notebook of knowledge points. Ooh, reminds me of the good old times of my of my school years, and I had to do that. So I don't think it's. Completely a new thing to the Gen Z, to the young students nowadays. It's just because we have the opportunity or even the luxury to realize that it is such a problem, and we we conducted the survey that picked on the problem that makes us talking about the problem now. Right. This reminds me a little bit unrelated. At first glance, but I'm just gonna share with you. Years ago, maybe like 20 years ago, when I first went to Hong Kong on a visit, I remember seeing these office workers walking up a moving escalator, two flights of stairs at a time.、Mm. And you, you know, like now you see that in Beijing as well. There's one line. These are people who are just waiting on the moving escalator, and then on the other side, there's the Vacant space for people to go up, and I remember thinking, "Wow, the economy must be booming for people to want to rush like that." And I remember feeling very out of place. That kind of pace in life of a city, that kind of thing. So I don't really think this. A notion of rushing through life is particularly new, and also I read a lot of articles in the U.S. and、uh, yeah, mainly in the U.S. I don't think Europeans are as much of in a rush, but it's really interesting that、um, people live in that environment and feel that you're almost compelled to live life at double speed. We're now saying at double speed basically because it's so easy to. Do on various digital platforms, watching videos, and you know all these little things we do in life that can just be speed up. But can you do that? Organizing the pace of your life—that is something quite interesting. And I do wonder about the effects it has on people. So, Li Yi, what do you think? Again, is this like connected to evolution, or you know, just this environment that? People live in in big cities in China. Well, I think、uh, if you want to look at why people are really speeding up their life, of, of course there can be like various reasons. Like Nuno said,、uh, there can be like advancement of technology. I mean, with all those modern technology, it does make it possible that we can really consume everything at a faster speed. For example, like podcast, video, and now we have wireless earphones, and that can just help us like multitask even. Better, and meantime, you know, better transportation is always a reason to look into. But meantime, you know, me personally, I'd rather not look so positive about this subject because I feel like some sometimes, or in most cases, people are really fast speeding up their life because of a fear of being left behind. Because I mean, think about what are the most occasions that you want to speed up. You know, my example would be the rush of summer vacation homework. You know, <laughs> when you are in primary school or middle school, you know, during summer or winter vacation, you will be like assigned a bunch of homeworks, and in theory, you know, those homework can just help to. Brush up on your knowledge to get a preview of what you're going to learn for the next session, and those homework will like given based on how many days you have for a vacation, right? But in reality, all you want to is hang out and to just、uh, make the fullest of your vacation, you know, just to to enjoy your time. But at the end day of your vacation, you would always like rush finishing your homework, like speeding up your. Doing homework process for what? Because you know most of your classmates would do that homework, and you don't want to be left behind, and you don't want、Is、to be criticized. Is that why? Isn't it、I、because think, the teachers tell you you have to? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the case. Everybody's rushing their yes, through their exactly, homework the last day. Exactly, that's the case because um that's the thing that you know you have to do. However, you don't really understand why you are doing it. So simply, you just care about the efficiency, really not about how well you are doing it. 
I think your story talks about peer pressure to start、mm-hmm. with, because you're doing something you have to do, but you are not actually voluntarily doing it. And at first glance of the topic, I thought the same thing, and even reminds me of a story of this young person trying to get. To be really good at kung fu, and he asked this monk as his master, asking him,、uh, "How long would I be great at this sword technique if I practice every day?" And the monk said, "It takes you ten years." And he then asked, "What if I practice so hard every day?" The monk said, "It might take you thirty years." What if I don't sleep and just practice and practice until I get success? That might take you around seventy years to actually、mm-hmm. succeed, because in these occasions, maybe slow is fast. But after doing a little bit research, actually, my mind got changed, and actually, I started to realize that it depends on the actual situation the young people are facing. Because for some young kids, maybe. Some of them are not in such a rush, and if they are speeding up on the right tasks, the negative effect on speeding up your life is not that severe. Cause according to Forbes, the average time spent daily consuming digital content was about six hours and fifty-nine minutes in 2020. That means around one fourth of your day you are on your cell phone or on your computer. And if you minus the time you go to sleep, it's around one third of the time you're spending watching or listening to content on the internet. That is a really long period of time. And if we can actually speed it up, if we can do things in a double speed, maybe we can save around three hours doing other things, enjoying life or so. So for this specific task, I would applaud for people who have the ability to actually lead a so-called double speed life. I think that's a very ideal case we're talking about <laughs> because we are talking about like saving time for other more important things. However, in reality, when you look at those people, they're just saving up for doing more things. You know, and what's wrong with that? I mean, you have to know what is the truly useful thing for you because when you are trying to speed up them something, there's always like an ideology in your mind that I only want something that is helpful and useful to me, and so I don't really want to waste time on those things that are not useful for useful for me. However, I mean, how to define useful?、Mm-hmm. That's a very big question for everybody to to to, to really think about because we are trying to like save as as much time as possible, like listening to podcast about. Eating or listening to podcast while、uh, transporting to companies or transporting home. Think about what's the rest of the time you're using and what you do about those time. I think that's the question you we really need to think about. Yeah, one thing is certain. In these modern times of ours, is rushing, and we rush to do everything. Just like what Yohoni just said, from getting information to eating to making judgment to even adulting. Nobody even wants to be a kid anymore. Also, we rush to write a book before we write our first article. We rush to become an adult even before learning to become a kid. We rush and rush and rush, and also. Rushing allows you to live on the surface rather than going deep, because what you're doing effectively is trying to hit all the goals, but without the time of accumulation of the process, you're not going to get to the final goal, in my opinion. So it's only I think just this this is what I see in so many aspects of life. It's just scraping the surface. And we're satisfied about it. Apparently, it's only when we're trying to have a soul-searching discussion on roundtable when we say, "Oh, could have gone deeper on that." But is that enough for people? I mean, in the long term, maybe it isn't, and that's why so many people are so desperately unhappy at the end of the day. Because have you obtained all the diplomas, the certificates, the one boyfriend after another, or finally finding the right guy or whatnot? But The the process is not something that people talk about, and I think that is a big part that's missing. To answer that question, I'd like to revisit some of the ways we speed up life. So, if we're talking about、um, using your commute time to play. On your cell phone, or to read a book, or listen to a podcast, I would say yes. Of course, what else would you do? That's efficient. That's use of efficient、time. use of time. Yes. And if we're talking about doing two things together, for example, you're attending important lecture, and in the meantime, you're doing your homework. You're 
actively separating your concentrates into two parts, then you're not doing two things simultaneously. You're doing two things fragmentedly, if that makes any sense. And that is, of course, something that will hurt your concentration ability, will hurt your ability to be patient about things that you're doing, to hurt your ability to accept delayed gratification, and that is not good. And there are also other examples of bad kind of speeding up life. For example, if you're visiting a place, if you're traveling, then you're using the entire, let's say, five days to uh, visit seven places and only to get a picture and not enjoying your life, then of course, I'm going to say it's bad. But I do think now with the help of technology, we can have some positive and useful and efficient ways to speed up certain things that are that used to take a lot of our time.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like a lot of the stuff that we just mentioned, a lot of the videos really do not deserve your full attention.、No. So I think, Nyoholi, you make a really good point in saying that there are things in life that we now have the ability or the technology to speed up. But there's also other aspects、mm-hmm. of life, and a lot of the things that are a lot deeper, like what、uh, Li Yi mentioned earlier on, that if we just want to Skip all the hard work, the mundane, the boring, the waiting. That seems to be the hardest thing one can do in life. And then, in reality, we can't really just skip to the destination. And however fast speed that we can take, but it, it might not be the final destination that you are looking for. And also, I want to raise a slightly philosophical question: that is, what's there at the finish line? When we're all rushing, I don't think there is specifically a finish line. Especially those Gen Zers who are rushing their lives. It's just because they're young, they're energetic, and they see all of their peers trying so hard enriching themselves. And you get, you do get the peer pressure. And sometimes I think peer pressure. Can be a good thing. You are pushed to reach to find your limits. You are pushed to do things that you use. Not to be able to do, you're pushed out of your comfort zone, so you can stretch your ability a little bit further. And you realize that even though sometimes you are listening to things in a fast speed, you are watching the video the double speed, you can actually still absorb them. And I am not kidding. Actually, there are multiple. Research and multiple experiments showcasing that even when people are watching a video, even for the subjects, even with the subjects of something like history or law, they can still absorb all the information. And if they are given the multiple questions to answer, their、uh, correct rate is almost similar with those who were watching the video the same speed. So I think. All in all, it's not about the finish line. It's about the state of mind you are living at that moment. And some people just enjoy a fast speed. Well, I think there can always be two sides of a coin, right?、Uh, you can talk about very efficient way of managing your time, and which can be really helpful to you. But I mean, we are human beings. You know, we are talking about a tendency. My question is, when you are getting used to. Like managing your time so efficiently. I mean, maybe during your commute time, can you still have that ability to really enjoy your life in a f- slower pace? Because you know, a, a lot of times when you observe those、uh, young people or like elderly people who have been like multitasking all the time, they can be very good at using their time in a very smart way. They can be like achieving a lot of things, you know, in shorter period of time compared with their peers. However, when you look at their experience, they also might say that okay, when I really got time to have a rest, I might feel guilty of you know doing nothing because I get used to do a lot of things at the same time, and that's my way of managing time. So you see, that's a tendency, that's a pattern. I mean, you can't really like separate. Different time period, like okay, for this time period A, I can just、uh, do two things, and then in time period B, I can just、uh, rest and do nothing. That somehow seems impossible for me, at least. Yeah, well, we have to acknowledge, and we do on the show, that everybody's different, and people's brains work differently. Because you've got some very smart people. I suspect you're holding. She's perfectly <laughs> fine with multitasking,、yeah. with fast forward,、uh, listening to、uh, podcasts, and that's just one example. Saying no is too late, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yep. And、uh, and also, you've got people like Ha Young, who's 
who would really like to take it slow? Because what we do here in, in, in our line of work, and then I like to listen to podcasts and watch these videos online that's associated with work. And then sometimes they can be a little bit long-winded. And then so I turn on the accelerated speed of the thing. And after listening to like multiple podcasts for let's say two hours or so, I mean, there's the obvious downside and bright spot. Downside is I can't really think I remember that much. That's just a fact. And also I do this every day. That's how hard I work. <laughs> Bosses listening? No. Okay. So, which is, I think, a downside because if I if I don't take notes, then everything's just like floating over, and it doesn't really leave an impression uh, in my mind very much. And I'm, I'm sure there's uh, research about this in science, but uh, you know, feel free to let us know. And then the bright side of things is that after doing this for months, I've created the language environment that is conducive to my work, although. You know, it's not like learning the facts so much, but there's also a little bit benefit that comes with it. So yes, and there are people who say that they suffer from it. And there are people who feel that they've benefited from a lot of these uh, technologies as such. But I think for those who suffer from it is when you feel that there is a certain kind of herd mentality that is around you and you're afraid, oh, like you said, basically FOMO, the, the mm-hmm. fear of missing out. And then it's it's not a good feeling because you've you've lost your own agency and you are being pushed because everybody else is doing this and you are afraid that you stop. And then where does that leave you? Uh, I hate that Chinese saying, if you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards. Because if you're not moving forward, you're standing still. Effectively, yes. But everybody else has gone forward. And then where does that leave you? And it's just the kind of thing that really makes people anxious. And also, I wonder... If there is someone out there who's listening to this and feel, you are making me nervous now because I'm one of those people who's slowing down and I think that's okay. But what gets media attention is that fast forward, fast motion Mm -hmm. and double speed or whatnot. And then these folks don't really get, well, yeah, they don't make headlines because slowing down isn't something that would make people's eyelashes bad. So what you do, what you do. Well, I think at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself, are you happy about this day you've just spent? If you are leading a fast beat life and you're fast forwarding everything and you feel very positive and happy and you feel so much achieved, you tell yourself, wow, I am a better version of myself today then that is okay. <laughs> we have Charles Swindle say life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. If you are reacting to it properly and positively, then it's okay. And if you feel tired and exhausted, and if you feel that your day is cut into tiny little pieces, and each and every piece makes no sense to me, and I don't understand why I'm doing this, then slow down, revisit your goals, say to yourself, it's okay if everyone around me is leaving this ridiculous life, it's fine, I'm not going to do that, I am not this kind of person, it's okay to slow down, even though I have been an advocate for this speeding up kind of lifestyle the entire show. I would still say to those who are enjoying a slow motion life, it's perfectly fine. And I envy you for being able to do so. Because if I have the chance, maybe I'd like to, in a period of my time, enjoy this slow paced life as well. Yeah, some people say that is a luxury because everybody's trying to get ahead. But if you think that you have the cushion or somehow in your mind, you feel, I don't need to get into the race. It's either because you have the safety net. Or maybe this person just feels that, okay, I don't need to be number one. I don't even need to be in the you know top 10% of the pack. I'm just going to take my time and do my thing. And you know what? I still believe there is merit to the Guitu Sai Pao story, yeah. the hare and the tortoise, because sometimes we don't give enough credit to this, but a lot of things in life, especially when we talk about really honing the skill or succeeding in something, however, whatever that thing is, you got to put in the 1,000 hours and it takes time. So... Just like to acknowledge that, remind everybody that that does exist. 
I think it's all about like finding your own rhythm, like finding your own pace. If you are happy with doing things quickly, like Niu Niu does, then you are just doing it. And if you are happy slowing down and you you think slower is faster sometimes, then just go with your own rhythm. I think don't really care about other people's judgment. Everybody just has his or her rhythm in life and also at workplace. And again, there are people who are. Uh, perfectly fine, and using this to their best benefit, in rushing through things, and they just do things quickly. It's not really rushing through; they do it quickly. And there are people who would really need the time, and life is better when it's unrushed for those people. And giving the fleeting nature of this life, why waste even a moment by rushing through it? You're listening to Roundtable. We'll be back with Roundtable's Happy Place. I was born on the 17th of November. Delve into a world of words with Books and Beyond, a podcast made especially for audiobook lovers. I came into the world as the youngest of five children. I wondered children. what Her Majesty would be like. Fie upon she... you, limpid one. Why have you taken? Immerse yourself in gripping stories and timeless classics from the comfort of your own personal space. Sun Tzu underlined three points on the context to gain initiative. There was initiative. no better wine, and not to mention the. Whether you are a bookworm or a casual listener, our carefully curated selection of audio books will transport you to new worlds and stir your imagination. Subscribe to Books and Beyond and start your audiobook adventure now on radio.cgtn.com or your favorite podcast app. Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. You're listening to Roundtable with myself, He Yang. I'm joined by Li Yi and Niu Holin in the studio. Coming up, we share with you what's made us happy this week in Roundtable's Happy Place. And a National Health Commission guideline said by 2025, the country hopes over half of its infants are exclusively breastfed in their first six months. Breastfeeding is key to the comprehensive development of children, for mothers and society. And even the companies can benefit too. But most workplaces in this country lack even basic facilities. We discuss why we need more lactation rooms in the workplace. Our podcast listeners can find us at Roundtable China on Apple Podcast and keep sending us your comments, thoughts, and questions to ezfmroundtable at foxmail.com. Your voice could be featured in the show in our Heart to Heart segment. And now. Let's move on to today's segment. Welcome to Roundtable's Happy Place. Delivery, delivery, delivery. What is it? Happiness from Roundtable. So this is our happy place, and let's start with. Okay, we very briefly compared notes before coming on the show. <laughs> we did, yes. And mine is least happy, I suppose. So let me just be the stepping block for you guys, and then we build on the momentum of happy place. So I think this thing it did make me happy, but it probably will not make you guys smile. <laughs> we will see.、Mm-hmm. Yes, we've all watched movies like Jurassic Park or Jurassic World, or you probably. Have the idea of what the Tyrannosaurus Rex's fearsome teeth look like. So when you think of these monsters, yes, and、uh, they have these really razor sharp fangs that、mm-hmm. stick out of their mouths, and、um, that's really scary.、Mm-hmm. And that's a little bit of a stereotype for the king of dinosaurs. And I came across this article. In the Smithsonian Magazine, about paleontologists say that these popular toothy depictions of the dinosaur may have missed the mark. In fact, okay, they suggest that the T. Rex's teeth were hidden behind lizard-like lips. 
So they had lips, people. I just keep wondering. The point makes you happy is lips. And then dinosaur lips. lips. Okay. Yes. And while some critics are pushing back against this idea, this new paper published earlier this month in the Journal of Science proposes a change in how the world sees T. Rex. It might be time to shift the to the imaging of the dinosaur that filmmakers have picked up into something that is. A whole lot different. Okay, so basically, crocodilian teeth suffer lots of damage due to their lack of protection from lip-like tissue. An alligator might go through some three thousand teeth in its lifetime, but the T. Rex required about two years to replace just one tooth, and this suggests that these large dinosaurs needed lips to preserve their fangs, and that's what the researchers said. And You're not smiling, okay? But I find that to be very funny, and I love this idea that the T. Rexes had to get lip balm or lipstick at some point. Okay, so that's my happy place. Let's quickly move on then. <laughs> I just want to say I do not think future filmmakers are going to give these lovely creatures lips anyway. They're not going to do it.、Oh, I'll be very disappointed. <laughs> and you know, all the movies and. Pro- Post-production now probably of Jurassic World. There's more post-production to do, in my opinion. Okay, so now let's move on to yeah. Hopefully, you two will do better. Um, Yohonlin, why not take it away? I'm not going to say it's better, but it does make me happy, and I think our happy place is getting more and more personal. For me, this week something makes me intentional. happy. <laughs> Uh, what's making me happy is a task I received in work. I finished a promo.、Um, Can I just jump in and in saying that this woman totally takes agency? It was not a task that was assigned to her, <laughs> but she just volunteered and she said, "I can do this." And If doing this can make the final product better, then I'm gonna volunteer, dedicate my time, and smart little mind there to this thing. So、Aww. that's what she did. Okay, keep on going. My happy place just got a little bit happier. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who. Don't really understand what a promo is. You can understand it as a audio version of a movie trailer. You got some clips so that people can have a glimpse of the final product. And by adding some good sound effect, find the right ambient sound, and for me, most importantly, finding the correct music to match with the tone, the vibe, the atmosphere you're looking for for the promo is the process I enjoy so much. The reason I find this to be My real happy place for this week is I'm not really sure about all of you guys listening to the show, but I can only assume that in work there are so many things that involve paperwork, that involve communication with others. Not to say those things are not important or enjoyable. It's just it's sometimes <laughs> for someone like me, being able to do one task fully on myself based on my taste of things, utilizing my Aesthetics for things and having the final product—that is,、um, I'm going to say this proudly, widely approved—makes me really, really happy. So, for those of you who find life a little bit tiring, a little bit exhausting, maybe you can find one tiny little small task that you can enjoy, that can take you to the flow where you can concentrate and can make you happy. Then maybe you can try doing that.、Yeah. Maybe that can. Be your happy place as well. Yeah,、uh, achieving the 心流 of flow of state of mind. Yes, and that's wonderful. And also, that's really inspiring, actually. So, if you're feeling that oh, this is all too much for me, maybe you can take up like knitting or like some like small handicraft stuff. Because if you have full control in this, and then you can focus on it, and then actually, it's really good for the mind. So、yes. thank you very much for that happy place, Niu Honglin. Thank you. Yeah, and Li Yi. Now it's your turn. Well, my happy place is actually a film. It's actually an animation film and named Suzume Lingya Zhilu. So basically, that's the trip of Suzume, this girl, and that's a film written and directed by the filmmaker who is known for producing the hit animation Your Name in、ah. 2016. Yeah. So basically, it's a fantasy adventure film, and it just follows the trip of this 17-year-old high school. 
girl named Suzume and her friends who just team up to prevent a series of disasters across Japan. So basically, this main character was orphaned at the age of four, and she lives with her aunt. And then on a sunny day, she just met a handsome man. And who asked her for directions to some abandoned areas in her town, and then she just points him in that direction, and somehow she also gets there. So when Suzume reaches the side of the ruins, she opens the door of something. You know, she just finds out that it's a door to the other world. So basically, that's the main plot of that push the story. The doors located at those abandoned areas across Japan should be closed. Or Japan would just experience serious natural disasters, and very luckily, that young man has a magical key that can help contain those natural disasters. So basically, the main character just decides to travel across Japan with this man, who was later turned into a talking chair and also a, a cute. Cat. So together, they just sent out to seal those deadly doors all across Japan to prevent disasters. And I think the story is pretty serious, you know, about preventing natural disasters. And of course, it it has a happy ending. I can see that you're pretty <laughs> confused, confused about、yeah. <laughs> talking chair part. Yeah, I mean that's actually the fun plot of、oh. this story. You know, just adding some like fun parts to a very serious、uh, story, like abouting about preventing natural disasters. And you know what really touches me is the、uh, last part of the movie. You know, the girls that something very motivational, like basically like no matter what, you need to always be brave. But the original lines are much more complicated and delicate than what I'm saying right now. But I mean, the movie is really telling how important to have courage in the face of major difficulties or challenges, like in this case, trauma.、Mm. You know, you always have to believe in yourself, and sometimes you will get like afraid by something. And it's really important to just、uh, have trust in yourself and try to achieve certain goals if that's what you really want. So yeah, that's very inspirational for me. So that just makes me happy. Oh, I'll totally see that movie after your recommendation. Yeah, you can see that, and and also I think the plots are very delicate, and then you know,、um, those scenes are like beautifully produced. That's the magic of animation, I guess. Yes, just want to say slam dunk.、Um, <laughs> <laughs> coming up next, the challenge of combining professional work and breastfeeding is a key reason why women choose not to breastfeed or to stop breastfeeding early. Why is this a problem? Why do we need more lactation rooms in the workplace? Stay tuned. Looking for passion? How about fiery debate? Want to hear about current events in China from different perspectives? Then tune in to Roundtable, where East meets West, and understanding is the goal. It's the hour of Roundtable with myself, He Yang. I have Niu Honglin and Li Yi in the studio for this discussion. What is a lactation or breastfeeding room? UNICEF, the successor of the United Nations International Children's Emergency Fund, provides the following definition: It is an exclusive and properly equipped area for mothers to breastfeed their children, express milk, and store it. They are critical to having new moms come back to the workforce. So. Tell us the predicament that new moms who still breastfeed their baby encounter as she returns to work. Well, I think there is certain like national regulation to really improve facilities for new mothers and infants in public spaces, but somehow. Progress is slow, according to a 2019 report. There were only about 2,600 baby care rooms across China, and mostly concentrated in public venues like shopping malls, airports, and train stations in major cities. And just seven cities, including Beijing, Shanghai, and Guangzhou, has over. 100 such rooms. And meantime, I think the country is trying to promote exclusive. Breastfeeding, and that is in theory is helpful for the health of babies and and also for mothers. However, I think to promote such supportive facilities for mothers is really important. However, in reality, you don't really see such 
rooms are being built, especially in companies or or organizations, and that's why we're talking about this issue. Yeah, if I really look for the silver lining here, is that at least now in some of these public venues, we're increasingly seeing these baby care rooms or lactation rooms, however you call them, as well as you know bigger bathrooms where there is this fold up. Changing table, yeah, changing table, and uh, and you know the the mom could change the baby's diaper、yeah. on the table, that kind of thing. But when we're talking about something pretty common, the workplace, when she goes back to the office and goes to rejoin the workforce, actually these facilities aren't really always there, or often just not there, and that's the problem. So. What about the China and world situation when it comes to breastfeeding kids? Because we are seeing a major push from the national government saying that breastfeeding is really good for babies. Yes, actually, we have figures showing that in 2019, a survey conducted by China Development Research Foundation found that less than 30 percent of Chinese infants were exclusively breastfed in the first six months, and worldly, the number was 44 percent. The reason we are saying this is a problem is because though many people here in China enjoy at least a three-month、uh, maternity leave, meaning that in the first three months. Take or give in their baby's life, they would have the luxury to stay at home and take care of the baby. But after that, it depends. And I think I can announce the news here on Roundtable that I recently became a new mom. And the thing is, when you get back to work, you face a lot of different challenges. You want to switch from the stay-at-home mom mode to working mom mode, and you still want to take really good care of your kid, but you are. Not with them twenty four seven, and the lack of facility would not make you want to file a complaint to your employer. It will make you rethink. Maybe it takes a bit too much for me to continue to give my kid breastfeeding experience. Maybe having formula would give him the enough nutrition he needs as well. Maybe I can be a good employee and. Just to stay away from all these trouble, and that is okay. I think for a lot of moms, they would not consider this a major, let's say, difficulty they'd like to overcome. They would consider this a discouragement that they face, and they will finally be pushed to the other side of the exclusive breastfeeding story. In so, the other way, can we just think it like、oh, we don't really have as many employers who are that considerate to provide that facilities to its employees? I think considerate is a word we can use, but more occasionally,、uh, new moms need to be welcomed to.、Mm. Continue breastfeeding, so they need to be encouraged to continue breastfeeding. If you're just saying it's okay, it's acceptable, we would allow you to do so. Maybe it's just not enough push. Yeah, and also, um, just think about you know from the new mom's shoes, she's already feeling that. Am I going to be welcomed?、Mm. I, I haven't been in the workforce for some time, and. I don't think anybody in that situation would feel it is adequate for her to ask for no, more "quote unquote" demands.、Mm. But in fact, this is something that she needs if she wants to continue to breastfeed. And also, before we go on to the next question, New Holy, you mentioned the word luxury, and I so don't agree with it. I just want to say that some benefits, welfare, they are considered. As entitlements that any citizen should be entitled to receive, entitlement gives away the essence of it. So I don't think citizens should feel bad that they enjoy it. Oh, of course not. The reason I said luxury is because I have some friends living in Hong Kong. They only enjoy like a month of maternity leave. Some other friends living in maybe、uh, the United States and UK. They. Don't enjoy a longer maternity leave, but of course I agree because, of course, there are some other friends who would enjoy a year and a half maternity leave. That's of course very good, but if we can work with what we have here, at least after the mothers come back to workplace, yes, we should. Give them more welcoming applause, saying that you should have the 
um, let's say, right to continue breastfeeding because breastfeeding is really good to the kid, to the mom, and to the family and everything. For example, this is the knowledge I recently learned. I don't know if you guys know it. Actually, breastfeeding allows secure attachment, cognitive development, and reduces the burden of childhood maternal illness, lowering health care costs, creating healthier families, and strengthening the development of societies. Because your breastfeed is actually the kid's first vaccine, and that is not even the magical part. It's not the magical part. Is once you get to the stage of the baby's, let's say, more than older than six months, baby. Theoretically, the breast milk is no longer the breast milk no longer contains that many antibodies. Yet, if your baby is sick, his or her saliva would tell your body. To generate breast milk with more antibody, so yes, your nipples would know your kid is sick. In, oh. <laughs> I think that is very interesting knowledge, and that actually helped helped me、uh, earlier this year because earlier this year my entire family got COVID positive, and we're all suffering from this high fever, and we cannot even provide the kid with a quarantine environment because no one is. Covid negative. Yet, we all wore a mask and we just took care of the baby, and the baby stayed covid clean. And I would like to contribute that to my magical breast milk. <laughs>、hmm. And and certainly, I don't think moms get enough recognition for what they do. And even if it's just serving the so-called natural roles that she came to this world with, but still. So much work.、Um, yes. Okay, Li Yi, what you want to say? And I think that's definitely new knowledge to me because I wasn't really aware of such magical power of breastfeeding. I mean, you know, the reason why I'm talking this is, and also when when I raised the question before about employers, is because I somehow feel like the reason why we don't really have adequate、uh, breastfeeding facilities in public. Is a lack of awareness、mm-hmm. because me myself personally, even though I'm a like woman, and maybe in future I could be like a mother.、Mm-hmm. However, I don't really know that much about this whole thing. You know, I don't really know that we do need a special room or a special zone for female employees who are new mothers to really conduct this or breastfeeding thing. You know, I, I admit. And I think the same thing for other people, especially when they are not really in the position of being a mother. And、uh, you know, I think especially we always talking about like building them barrier environment, right? And somehow, think about when we're talking about issues like this, you would just easily like think, okay, that's the subject of other people.、Mm-hmm. As long as you are not the elderly people or you are not. A w- one one member of those people with disabilities, you may think that's the issue of others. However, I think that's really the issue of us. And I think the same thing for the breastfeeding thing because one day maybe you will become mother or you will have family members who who become mother.、Mm. So I think it's really important to to invite this conversation to really let、uh, let public know the importance of breastfeeding and also to have such facilities. And you know, there's one thing that I just can't get over with. We've had moms giving babies since the beginning of history, and now we're talking about this. And also now, with more people around us, maybe it's because of our generation、mm. and age, they're becoming moms, they're giving birth, and all that stuff. And then they told me personally the ordeal of childbirth, of going back to the office, and breastfeeding, and all that stuff. And a lot of the information is horrific. <laughs> But we, I've as a woman, I've never heard of it before. My mom didn't tell me either, and it was not until going online and on Douban. There's this、uh, section for new moms and people getting pregnant and stuff, and they share the dark secrets. And there are like a million people there,、mm-hmm. or some, or, or posts there. And then the part that I just can't get over with is. How come it only exists in the dark, in these small corners? That this is something that half of the population have experienced, but there is simply not room for discussion, or we didn't acquire this room for discussion in the public discourse in the past, and that's why it's really important to talk about these things. <laughs> so. Tell us, supporting breastfeeding in the workplace, it has significant human and economic benefits, and how does it benefit everyone? 
We've already talked about breastfeeding being very nice and very healthy to babies. Actually, it helps moms to recover from labor as well. And for the workplace, if you provide with your female employee the facilities for them to continue breastfeeding, you would face less situations where your employee needs to quit, needs to take more leaves for absence because of the sick of her baby or herself. And maybe it will show that you're a, your company is a really um, nice place. It is a good kind of brand making, brand promoting, in my opinion, as well. And I think, you know, maybe I'm going too far. I think uh, in the long term, if we are going to build more facilities like this, it can be helpful to boost fertility rates because we always mm. talk about, you know, such issues from a very like in-depth approach. We talk about why people don't want to have babies. I mean, maybe start from little things like this to mm. give access to those women who want to have baby, yet they may they may just have a little hesitate in terms of breastfeeding when they come back to workplace. Maybe solving one little thing like this can be helpful in terms of promoting that course. That's a brilliant point. And I'm going to go to the other way of the extreme. That is, you know the pain the woman goes through when she cannot feed her baby when she when her body tells her that she needs to and then if you keep it in it's really bad for her health and it could inflame certain glands in that area and then if if it goes on for a while then some people go through surgery yes to recover from it mm-hmm. and also, this would deter a lot of women from even coming back to work yes. or just completely give up on breastfeeding, which is not good for the baby, uh, apparently. And this is only stuff that I have found during the research. Breastfeeding also benefits society and the environment. And hear me out. Breast milk is always available and within the reach of any economy. This mm. is according to UNICEF. So basically, it's looking at the worldwide situation. And there are a lot of families who might not be able, you know, around the world to buy baby formula. And then this is the best and free thing that um, the mom can offer for the baby. And I'm sure for a lot of moms, then they feel they're very much willing to do so. And also, breastfeeding encourages family savings. That's what I said. And breast milk is natural, renewable and sustainable a resource. And it does not generate waste or pollution. How interesting is that, UNICEF? So what are the basics of having a breastfeeding or lactation room in the workplace? Um, I'm only speaking for my personal experience here. We need a comfortable chair so we can feed the baby or get the milk, get the breastfeed milk out and a flat surface for breast pump to rest like a long counter stop would be nice. And a lock on the door is also very, very nice. If someone wants to enter, they can knock on the door and also easy access to electronical outlets would be very important because some pump would need to uh, link on the electronic outlets and also one other thing is a sink so you can wash your hands and wash mm-hmm. your facility. And these are the basic, basic needs. In some other standards, we say that we want a microwave or steam cleaning pump pieces or a s- small refrigerator to store breastfeeding milk. All these things can be omitted if you do not have. But I think what I have listed would be the very, very basic needs. And I think maybe you can just rearrange one little small meeting room and minus the sink would also do. Yeah, she's not asking for a lot, just a private space. And one highlight here or one disclaimer here, P.S. It should not be a bathroom. Oh, no. It's a separate room. And that brings us to the end of today's roundtable. Thank you so much, Li Yi and Niu Honglin for joining the discussion. And thank you for tuning in. I'm He Yang. We'll see you next time.